Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Insider. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Simon Tarry. Good afternoon, Simon. Hi, Ben. Thank you for coming on. Um, Simon is it's a funny one. Simon, Simon's actually in between roles at the moment. Simon's recently finished up as um, Director of Strategy at Ticketmaster. I'm probably best to pass it over to you um, to do the initial introduction, I think, Simon. Yeah, thanks, Ben. So I've been in the tech industry for a good couple of decades. Um, I've been a ticket master the last nine years initially as an engineering manager looking after various agile teams, building B2C sites and handling millions of people trying to buy tickets at the same time. So that's always a, a fun challenge. Mm. And uh, yeah, more recently, I've been involved in in looking after tech strategy, which across a bigger company as Ticketmaster has, you know, been uh, full of surprising and interesting challenges. Yeah, so we were just saying offline, a Ticketmaster, a business that I know quite well from um, work that I've always done in the online world, um, you know, business with a very good reputation, deliver things the right way, good tech stack. Um, and yeah, listen, I'm one of the customers over the years. So so yeah, business I know really well. Um, it's an interesting one because your position, you're, you're, you've been heavily involved. I like your career path. You've gone through the engineering side of things into more strategy. And I think that one, one thing that I've noticed um, over the last six or seven months now since we've been in COVID is, is businesses you know, taking stock and you know re-strategizing a lot of um, a lot of their business and the ways that they're working and all sorts. Um, and I know that this is so this is re- that's why I was really interested to get you on. Um, and I, I guess over the nine years, you must have seen a, a lot of lot of changes in, in innovation within the business. Yeah, absolutely. So I think nine years ago, we were one of the first, I think, large organisations to really take Agile on board and. So when I joined, there was already you know, quite a good agile um, consciousness and ceremonies going on. And it was really refreshing to have that mm. in, in a business that, that's that large. And they were really, you know, already kind of doing hackathons and things, you know, those kind of things, because having this problem of millions of people trying to buy a ticket at the same time is you know, a significant hmm. technical challenge. And, you know, previously before the internet, you'd have been lining up, you know, at the box office, potentially for hours or days, depending on, you know, how much you want to see the band. And when when the web took off, you know, that translated into, you know, significant volumes of traffic. So, you know, Ticketmaster has always been a, a technology innovator. It hmm. started 44 years ago in the US. And the team that built the original software they won the market because their software that ran on mainframe could sell a venue out faster than anybody else. And that, that was the competitive advantage. So it's always been a, a tech innovator in that sense. I think the interesting path over the last nine years has been, you know, how can we use modern technology? And that's the thing because in the world of tech, there's constant innovation and you know, nothing stands still for very long. Mm. So, you've got people, you know, constantly looking at how can new tech innovation, you know, we've gone through, um, you know, those nine years, we've gone first into sort of private cloud and then then public cloud, you know, looking at how can we use those services and that scaling technology, which, you know, massively suits the business where you only need to sell tickets for a couple of hours. And then all all that infrastructure that we had built up over decades was then sitting around not being used, you know, for another week or two. So yeah, the whole, the whole cloud model suited us really well. So then it was a case of 
you know, all these new things like Kubernetes, you know, we picked that up pretty fast. Anything that could help us to scale and mm. sell tickets quickly and then, um, you know, but do it at, you know, with a reasonable level of cost because ticketing isn't isn't finance. You know, there's not loads of money. So, um, you know, doing it in a pragmatic way has, has yeah, has meant that we have to be quite agile and nimble and, you know, acting like a startup, but at a much larger scale. Yeah, absolutely, and I think this is the this is the interesting thing at the moment. That the, you know, one of the key pains I, I I said on the last few pods is now the innovation piece and how um, businesses are innovating and collaborating, because innovation. Um, Jason um, Inkelbert the other week was saying, you know, innovation comes in in two forms. It's you know, you you have internal and you have external. Uh, and then I guess we, within your internal, you also um, it's the challenge of of working across the business and uh, and the productization, the product team and the operations team, and, and I guess the business. So it's quite far fetched, isn't it? How have, um, how did you how did you manage, or, or what? Or I guess what I'm looking for someone that you've worked for for business for a, 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 you know nine years is, is a is a good while, and you've gone through the. Um, the whole rigmarole in terms of like let's say all the cloud stuff and moving into the in the right kind of DevOps culture with all the, the Kubernetes and Dockerization stuff. What do you think? Um, you, you've seen a lot, is what I'm saying. How do? You, where do you think we're we're going next? What do? How do you as a as a kind of as a technology strategist? What do you think is kind of coming up next uh, around the corner? And 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 the second part of that is how we're going to how we're going to do this when we're working remotely. Yeah, I think. I don't see the working remotely as a problem. I think it's interesting that actual actual technological innovation hasn't really advanced as much as people think it has. I think there's there's different waves of innovation where things become fashionable because they solve a current problem. So things like functional programming these days actually harks back to you know things like programming languages from from back in the sort of 60s, 70s, and the whole concept of cloud, you know, IBM had mainframes where people connected with terminals and all the compute power was remote. So mm. it's it's just that those models get reused, but at a different sort of scale. So I think clearly a key um, driver for innovation at the moment is around, you know, data and machine learning and AI. And that's one of the, the key strategies for us around innovation was when we realized that all of our data was not in one place. There were silos of data all over the place, which means you can't run effective models on it. You you can't do much with it unless it's in one place. So that was, that was a really important part. And I saw a quote from the CEO of Expedia recently who said the same thing. That was part of what they're trying to do right now mm. is get all their data into one place and then you can apply these models to it. Now, the interesting thing I've learned from machine learning and AI is that from from talking to, I've got a friend who works at, at Microsoft and on the Azure side, and it seems like it doesn't, from an innovation point of view, it doesn't actually seem to generate new business opportunities in terms of you know, brand new things for an organization to do. It seems to be simply finding more effective ways to do what they're currently doing. So 
you know, if it's IoT, it could be putting sensors onto pipelines or you know, infrastructure to get better information about what's happening where. It's not necessarily you know, creating brand new business. Whereas something like you know, a world event like a pandemic this year, that's definitely accelerated innovation in terms of, you know, now my kids are plugged into Google Google Classrooms so that if their teacher gets COVID or, or you know, that mm. they can be taught remotely from home. Now, we wouldn't have had that for years, I don't think, unless, you know, unless we'd have, we'd have had the technology at the right time and the right place with this pandemic. So I think projecting into the future, I think some things would have been accelerated by COVID in terms of remote learning, remote working, more flexibility and you know more from a from a tech point of view i think it's the whole shift away from that's been happening over the last 10 years the the monolith you know which is which is a typical startup um you know or traditional type way of architecting a system you build the monolith and then you know once you've got scale then you start to go into microservices so i think that kind of componentization will will keep going and along with the type of data strategy of you know, having all your data in one place as an organization mm. will make much more intelligent organizations i think that whereas in the past that's been you know what i've seen is that that's typically limited to the tech the tech and the product side of the business having access you know good access to data and being able to use it it's now you know finance marketing um uh, you know all the other functions of a business there's so much scope for innovation there and for you know for automating a lot of what those those teams do and that's something that i've you know been actively working on the last few years like inside ticketmaster yeah so i think personally as a, as a technical recruiter data is is you know for the last year and a half to two years it's it's been 80 percent of what i've been recruiting for so as, as you know i was always recruited for you know full stack engineers but it's it's moved into data you know and i've done a couple of white papers around data and um and our consultancy um amati do a lot of work in data because there's i think there's a stat 70 percent of businesses you know aren't using their data to make um business you know the, the informative business decisions they have the data but they don't really know what they're doing with it and like you said it's it's in different places it's not clean and it's taken and I, and I think you have the problem is with these companies you have someone at the top who kind of says yes we should be using machine learning and ai and it's just like well hang on a minute your data's in a bad state how you know you need to you know go before you start hiring data scientists let's go right back to basics here and do you know let's look at this data and i think that it's um it's it's moving but i think there's a lot of companies who still are behind the curve on that to be honest with you um how do you when you it's it's something you picked up on there and again regards the the whole business understanding and going on a journey especially to kind of you know corporate cooperate with each other you know data sitting in different parts of the business one client's mine at the moment talking about um data for in their in their finance part of the business and looking at return on investment you know if there's so many and, and they need to speak to technology to work out how this can be done and it's it, like i say it's quite complicated um to to have different parts of the business talking how have you managed that over the over the years yeah so i think there's a few there's a few different strategies so for me one of them was to recognize after a while that i could effectively interpret between 
the tech and and the business. So these these two sort of seemingly you know sides that don't really understand each other. So it's finding those kind of change agents within your organisation who you know, have some kind of a mandate where they can you know effectively take technology to non-technologists and say look this is how we can improve what you're doing so a simple example would be you know finance using excel really heavily for you know almost like Mm. transaction level type you know and these spreadsheets just growing so big that they're crashing laptops and you know the, the fact is you've got data science tools out there you've got bi tooling that is really effective at handling that kind of especially especially tabular data like you know mm. finance teams use and you know having gone through that process of understanding if you put everything on the data team you're just going to have a bottleneck so what you want to do is empower the people on the ground those kind of excel warriors because they're, they're 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 there in every department and it's funny when you talk to i've talked to other sort of someone else recently about this and they said every time someone sent me an excel sheet they would always apologize because it was in you know such a poor state and i was like yeah i had exactly the same mm-hmm. thing you know there's there's and the people maintaining these these sheets they hate doing it they really hate it it's mm-hmm. just it, it typically grows into a monster it's full of macros mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know and and manual errors and that kind of thing and so it's getting those people on the ground trained up on the right type of tooling and Mm. there's there's such good tools there now that it doesn't take people that long so we have this kind of hub and spoke model so we had a few experts at the center who would you know understand the ins and outs of of the system of the data warehouse or the lake you know whatever data infrastructure you have and then they would understand and then we would train up the people at so at the spoke level so the people who are typically doing the data analysis and just helping them to learn how to use these tools so i'd be running training weeks and then we'd have like a monthly community of practice just kind of a sessions just so that you know we're, we're there to support people mm. doing that work and i think that was really if that's effective in a large organization mm. because you then don't have every, everything stacking up with the data team who are typically you know, servicing all the product roadmap for, you know, data, which is typically being used for client um, and customer, you know, those kind of activities. Mm. And that kind of neglects the rest of the business. So, and the thing is, these days, most people, that there's they're reasonably tech savvy in terms of being able to use Excel and some macros, you know, Mm. that it doesn't take, it's not a huge step to go from that to some kind of BI tooling. I think a lot of it is just a case of having a clear vision of why you need all your data to be in one place and then using the experts like the data architects and and the right people just to put that structure in place. And, you know, I've, I've, I've built up a, a network of other people now who've done this in other organisations. And I know Lloyds Bank, for instance, they did... Um, a presentation last year at um, one of these you know, data conferences, and they said that they've they've put Tableau throughout their organisation, mm. and they're now able to take their executives through all these dashboards on, a, say, a monthly basis to show them what's happening in each area of the business. And they've built mm. up a whole community inside the organisation around, you know, basically getting, you know, automating all that data collection and, and analysis so that. You know, you 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 save yourself a ton of time 
man from doing all that manual work you save a load of errors from the manual work and you actually give the time back to people to do like good quality analysis because mm. they can now you know they've got the right tools for the data that they've got so that's i think that's that's just going to keep you know yeah it's, it's interesting because you said because you say you know this would only work in you know or this is only in large organizations but that's where the problems are it's the larger organizations you know that's and that's where um it you, you need the, the communication level and i think it's interesting you're saying there about you know almost your it kind of taking the lead and taking it to and then doing the the training as well and and having some structure behind a training you know it's it's like yeah, and then the monthly catch-ups i think that's key isn't it i think that's you, a lot of businesses won't have a formal internal structure of how they're going to, to deliver that and it's interesting that there's examples it can be related to with with lloyds um with regards to um i guess over the years you you've obviously built i'd like to, i'd imagine many teams um, we're in a different time now um, in terms of kind of, um, you know, the COVID situation. It's an interesting one that obviously right now yourself, you find yourself in between positions. How's, um, how do you think that, you know, that the, how you, how, I guess you work it there. Let me start this again. Within technology, there's a skill shortage. Have you seen this impacted by COVID? Has the skill shortage been impacted by COVID? Yeah. Is it, do you um, find it? Do you find it easier or harder? Or and, and that's and there's somebody who's in that situation yourself, where you're in between positions. What's your kind of take on on how this is how the skill shortage over the years has kind of moved into 2020? Yeah. So interestingly, so so I was trying to hire in London, you know, like a few years ago, trying to build a team out, and we were finding it like increasingly difficult because. That's been, I think, the trend the last five years or so is, is not just tech companies hiring, but every company has been trying to build a tech team, you know, like Sainsbury's, um, you know, banks, you know, there's there's just been a growing demand for for tech skills. And we just find we were getting completely priced out mm. as well in the London market. And I think that's where, you know, the opportunity arose then for a lot more sort of, you know, the trend from offshoring, Sort of started to, to drop down. I know it's still there, but nearshoring really sort of grew up. I think out of that, there's a lot of these companies now, and we've worked with some quite closely. Um, you know, with with developers in Eastern Europe, and you know that's really been a massive boost for the skills shortage. Um, I think that's you know, I think the thing with COVID that people were, especially a lot of businesses, didn't trust their employees with working from home. I think that's been one factor is that the trend has been, especially in tech, that tech have been more productive working from home. And I think a lot of engineers, you know, I was an engineer myself, I was at IBM for about 10 years. Engineers tend to be more introverted. And, you know, and typically if you've got your head stuck in a problem, then it takes you quite a while to basically, you know, get yourself into that complex mm. world and and try and figure out the problems you're trying to solve, and to have people interrupting you, you know, in an office environment is is quite hard because you you kind of need that time and space to think. So I think, you know, and I think other people have looked at tech both through COVID and they're now starting to think, oh, maybe I should switch, you know, into into tech because it's you know there's more of an appetite for it and because it's something you can do remotely so i think that's probably something that will come from this year will be you know more people 
coming in. I think, you know, the, the, the amount of boot camps that are now out there compared to, say, five years ago, you know, there's a huge range and the level and, you know, the quality of online training now is so much better. So I think it, I think it will accelerate, you know, mm. the, the, um, the size of the talent pool for sure. Um, that's, you know, I think that's one thing that will come from this year. And also I think, you know, coding just becoming a bit more accessible for people and, you know, hopefully that will start to translate more into the diversity issue, which I think has been a real, you know, industry problem for like a long time. Mm. And it will now start to get a more balanced, you know, um, talent pool of, of skilled people. Yeah, I, th- I hope so because I think it's um, it's, it, it's interesting you're saying that. To stop and think. I'm a, I'm an example. So when um, sorry if everyone's getting bored when I say this on on the pods, but when COVID struck, I did um, I actually what you mentioned one of my clients there, but I'm not say them out. But one of my clients that you mentioned, they had a number of positions. And they kept me busy for a couple of weeks. They're supposed it was supposed to last me all year building their tech team, and it lasted six weeks because they carried on hiring and they were seen as quite a safe company to work for at that time. And I think people wanted to go and work there. So all of a sudden, I was in limbo, and that's when I started the pod. I didn't want to be that guy to call around. And asking for positions, but I also thought, well, I might as well learn Python. I'm recruiting for like data engineers. I'm, I'm going to learn Python. I went out and did the Udemy course, and I'm still doing it. I thought it would, honestly, Simon, I thought it would take me. Uh, I can't. I want to say I started at the beginning of May, and I thought I'd finish at the end of May. And where are we now? Like mid December. I'm sorry, mid November. I'm, I'm towards the end of it. I'm desperate to finish it this year. But it's it's true. You know, I, I now look at online course, and it's it's amazing course. It's 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 really easy to understand. I'm not going to go into an engineer. I, I want to do this so I, I'm better at my job. But people, you're leaving school and, you know, I think the opportunities are there. And I think that you're right. This is people will see that what industries have been bulletproof, but like where people have continued to be able to work through a pandemic um, and technology is, is definitely one of those. It's interesting you're talking about kind of engineers solving problems from home. I completely agree with that. There's a lot of, you know, I hear about is it the social contracts that happen in squads where, you know, if you've got my headphones in, don't bother me type stuff. And I think that that's going to help as well. So, yeah, it's an interesting, um, interesting thought, actually. It'd be really good to see, you know, is the uptake in online training courses and, and how that can kind of knock on effect? Because again, it comes the diversity is something, something I'm really passionate about and really trying to push at the moment and really kind of trying to help get, especially more women into tech. And uh, and I think that this is, you know, this is all the start. Listen, Simon, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's fascinating speaking to you because you, you, like I said, you've, 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 you've been around a while. I say that in the right way, but you've, you've, um, Working as, a, as within strategy, you can you can answer a lot of the kind of questions that and that people have got at the moment moving forward, um, especially when we're all working remotely. Is it is it right? Are you somebody who's okay for people to kind of reach out and connect on LinkedIn and, and maybe kind of pick your brains over some of the some of the stuff that you've done because you, you're you're a bit of an innovator if you don't mind me saying in terms of the way that you've been working over the years. No, absolutely. No, no more than happy to uh, yeah to pick up with people and uh, talk through things. I think it's uh, yeah being able to share some of the the ways to deal with with these issues is I think is is a great great way to deal with it. Yeah, perfect. Listen, thank you very much for your time. All the best with the next position, and um, look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks, Ben. Cheers. Yeah, cheers.